are you somebody that when your team walks into a meeting, they say, man, I'm in the presence of a true leader today. And I got to tell you, there's not a whole lot of those. There's a few, but that's where I would be focusing my effort if I'm a young leader is how do I organize myself mentally, physically, uh, emotionally, so that I'm a followable person. Welcome to Outside Sales Talk, where we meet with industry experts to learn the strategies and tactics that make them successful. I'm your host, Steve Benson, and I've helped thousands of salespeople all over the world crush their quota. Today, I'll help you crush yours. Welcome back to Outside Sales Talk. Today, I've got Bill Kasky and Brian Neal with us. And what we're going to discuss is insider tips on being a successful sales leader. Uh, Bill and Brian are great guys to hear from on this topic. Uh, they've, they're actually, they've been sales coaches and speakers for, for, for decades. And, uh, and Bill and Brian co-host the Advanced Selling Podcast, a top 30 business podcast on iTunes and one of the 19 podcasts worth more than an MBA, according to Inc., which is awesome. Well, welcome to the show, guys. Thanks, Steve. Glad to be here. Yeah. We're cheaper than an MBA, too, just so you're so much, we're clear, right? Much. much cheaper than the MBA. Much. I know. I, I, I got one of those. And I'm, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm almost paid down. The, you know, I've got, a, I, think, I think, like three more years of, of payments at 1000 bucks a month or so. So. Whoa. so had you known about the Advanced Selling Podcast, think of all the money you could have saved. Telling you what? Right? I know. It, I, I've got to look at all 19 of those because I'm not sure if I learned all that much. <laughs> <laughs> I'd pay more attention the second time. Um, so, uh, so yeah, uh, I guess why, to jump into the topic here, guys, um, I'd like to discuss leadership and sales. And uh, so first question, is being a leader innate or is it learnable? Mm. Billy Ray, I'll let you go first. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I saw that question. It's a good one. Uh, I, I think I think it's all learnable. I don't think we come into the world uh, being a born leader. I think there's a lot of things that we do in childhood and we do growing up that puts us in position for that. But I think I think sales sales leadership today really is an art. I mean, it's a craft. It's not something you just born into and you just go and say, "Here, guys, go make a thousand calls a day and bring me the results at the end of the year." There's a lot of art and craft to it. And I think if I were to make a suggestion to a sales leader right up front, it's to the more we treat it that way, I think the better we're going to be at it versus being a sales manager where all we're doing is managing behavior. So I think there's a lot to sales leadership and it's not easy. It's sometimes not fun, but if we get our leadership minds right, then I think we get a lot better at the craft. Yeah, uh, but I did want to say cause I think this. I you get questions like this. And it's an it's a you know, either or a question, and then you get the answers both. There are elements I think that people are born with. All of us just have God given things. Like we're either like really good communicators, or we're really not, or we're very analytical, or we're not. I think a lot of those things, while they may be you know crafted along the way, you see them really young ages when kids are two or three and four. Some kids like to organize their toys when they're little. Uh, none of my kids did that. There's there's stuffs all over the place, you know. So there's that God-given stuff, and then there's the stuff that we can mold and craft over time. And um, I think the real trick for me is on the leadership side is for sales leaders to recognize and have self-awareness around those things that are just innate in them, and then continually look for coaching and guidance to make them better at the things that they need on the fringe or on the edge that gives them an advantage as a leader. 
which I think is a never ending process. I, I always say if there's ever a sales leader that says, you know what, I think I'm good. I got it figured out. Um, I say it's a real, real dangerous place to be. Makes a ton of sense. How, how would, what would you guys say is the best way to learn to become a leader to the degree that it is a learnable skill? Mm. May I? Well, alternate. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Like, we need a baton. Um, so I think uh, the first thing for me, the first answer uh, is uh, self-assessment. Uh, and there's the back of the napkin personalized self-assessment that you sort of do on yourself and say, okay, let's kind of go through some traits and say, okay, communication skills, follow through, stuff like that, uh, vision, um, organization, where am I on those things? And there's also, there are dozens and dozens, there are hundreds of assessments that you can take from Predictive Index, the Hogan, the DISC, that will give you some um, uh, heavier statistical evidence of things that you should do. Then once you know where you are on the good and the bad scale and all these things, now you can put a little bit more personalized coaching program into place. Uh, I am personally a fan of uh, paying attention to leaders that do things well that you want to continue to improve upon and observe those people these days with video and audio and podcasts and everything available to us. We can watch and follow people. So that's one thing I recommend people do is they follow and watch others that uh, do well in the craft that, that um, you know, they're, uh, they've signed up to do. Uh, and then second, uh, and it's not just because we are these, uh, I think every business leader should have a personal coach. I just, I have one, I've had multiple throughout my career. Um, I, uh, deal, I, I told you, I have a little side hustle, uh, referee in football, and there's not a, a player out there who doesn't have not just a head coach, but a position coach and then a trainer that helps him outside. And I think, I think hiring a coach is mission critical for a leader. Yeah, my take on it is a, is a little different in that I think that we all lead people the way we were brought up. And I think there's a lot of baggage that we have as, as people, but also as leaders. And so I always, look at, uh, I always look at how someone is leading their team and through questioning and like Brian said, coaching, find out what's behind that. Why do you lead your team that way? What what happened when you were being brought up, raised? What kinds of experiences did you have early in life? Because we all carry that baggage with us. I had a guy the other day that said, it's, it's like we all have a long black bag of weights that we drag along beside us. And that influences everything we do, how we sell, how we parent, how we uh, interact with our spouses, how we interact with awesome podcast hosts like you, Steve. All that stuff is baggage. And I think leaders sometimes are unwell. They want to work on the baggage of the salesperson, but they don't want to work on their own. And that's why I think uh, Brian's right. A coach comes in really handy. A good coach can say, okay, let's go back in your life a little bit and, and ask the question, why do you lead that way? How were you groomed to lead by how you were brought up or any kind of scripts you have? So I think there's a, a whole lot deeper swap to it as well, not just what do I need to keep doing and start doing and stop doing? But also, who are you? You know, Steve Benson is a leader, a leader of human beings. I think it makes sense to, to learn about how was Steve brought up in this world because how you were brought up is how you will lead. And I don't think leaders spend enough time on that. And it's, it's difficult work. I've got a coach as well, and he asked me questions that I don't want to answer. I don't want to answer because I don't want to go there. But that thing that I don't want to answer is the very thing that separates me from being who I can be. So there's a, there's a whole lot of background stuff there we can get into a little bit later, but that's my first take on it. Yeah, apparently we all drag around a lot of things from our childhood, right? We do. Um, 
Well, you, you guys have, have spoken a lot in the past about a leadership mindset. How should salespeople, in your opinion and expertise, develop a leadership mindset? How should salespeople do it? Mm -hmm. Like yeah, if, they, I, if a salesperson wanted to be a manager someday, they've kind of got their eye on that prize in the distance. How do they get themselves in the right mindset? How do they start developing those skills? I'll take a stab first. Um, well, I think if you're a really good sales professional, you probably have, like Brian said, some of that innate talent, some of that wisdom that just lives within you. But your constituent base changes when you're a sales manager or leader. It's not the customer anymore. It's your people. And I see a lot of leaders who still focus on the customer. And yeah, we want to focus on the customer, but that's not your primary constituent. It's the people that report to you how you serve them, how you support them, how you challenge them, how you grow them, how you help them work on themselves. And so I think it's a pivot away from customer focus to sales asset focus, which is your sales team. And uh, a lot of leaders I see, they're great with customers because that's how they grew up. But that's not your constituent anymore. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Of course it matters. But your total focus from the time you wake up in the morning to you go to bed at night should be, how do I groom my team for success? And that's not always front and center in the sales leader's mind. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Uh, I run a, a sales VP peer group here in Indianapolis. We've got 10 VPs of sales. We get together once uh, a month for two and a half hours. And there's not an individual in that room. And I've known these guys for three years. There's not an individual in that room that at some point in that three years hasn't come to me and said, I think I should just go back and be a salesperson. Yeah. This sucks. This yeah. is too hard. Why, just give me the bag. Give me a territory. Let me go work. Let me go back to my old ways. And every, because I hear that sentence, Bill's coaches, sales leaders too, in a similar model, we hear that that tells me that it's not all it's cracked up to be. And so when you're in that sales territory, and especially these days, we want these young, you know, young people, they want to climb and grow and get the next title and the next thing. And I think it's really important early on when you're developing a leadership mindset that one of the first questions is to really delve in and say, why do I want to be a leader? Do I want it for selfish reasons, which don't seem selfish, but they are. Do I want a title, career growth, more money, that sort of stuff? Or do I think, feel like I'm put on the planet to serve others over serving myself? When you're, when you're rolling around you know, a territory, and a lot of your uh, customers are, are doing this, they're, they're serving their customers, but really when it comes to commission and stuff, they're serving themselves funny when we we always use the word sales teams and there aren't too many sales teams that i work with that are teams they're all individual contributors to a big thing they're not working together most often occasionally we have team selling but most often they're individuals and then you're going to go be a sales manager or vp of sales and what bill said straight up i mean it is totally different game totally different mindset all of your success comes through other people uh it's the same when i'm again i'm out on the football field and you talk to these coaches they're the coaches, their whole livelihood depends upon this group of young men running around the football field performing. They don't perform. The coach loses their job and has to move again. Um, and so it's a really, it takes a really special mindset and personality to do that. I think you got to really look in the mirror and say, do I really, is this really what I want to sign up for? Oh. Yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, in a way, so you give me 10 salespeople to, to lead or to manage, now I don't have to really understand what's, what the parenting and the scripting was of customers. But when I've got 10 salespeople, I'm chirping in one ear, their old habits are chirping in the other, their mind is, is clogged up with the, the, 
the crap they went through when they were growing up or whatever their attachments are and egos are. Now I've got 10, I'm, I'm, like, a 10, I'm like a therapist for 10 people. And I'm not say, saying that sales leaders should be therapists, but it is kind of part of your job. It's trying, it's trying to figure out what's going to motivate Steve, what's going to motivate Brian, two different things or two different human beings. So it is, it is, it is difficult. It is very rewarding though. I've got one client who, whose sales man, whose uh, salespeople just love this lady. They would go anywhere for her. They would knock down walls for her. And when I watch her operate, she operates in a totally different way than most sales leaders, which is dictatorial, autocratic. She is very inclusive. She's a team leader. She's spirited. She supports them. She buys candy for their, I mean, she does it all. But that's not what we learn at Harvard Business School. We don't learn how to do that in the MBA school. We, we learn more hard and fast management techniques. And I think leaders have to be cut out of a different cloth today. And so it is, you're a therapist to, to 10 people or whatever your team is. And I love what Brian said about make it a team, learn from each other. John in San Francisco does things really well that Bill in Indianapolis sucks at. So how do we get, who was it, Brian? Who was the first one? Anyway, John. John. How do we get John's expertise in Bill's brain? And if we would just spend time in some of our sales meetings, forget the funnel. Brian and I always laugh about, okay, we're going to have a funnel meeting. Oh, great. I can't wait to get to that. Salespeople uh, love the funnel meetings. They just love them. They love can't wait to get on the funnel. Okay, funnels. everybody get out their funnels. Enough fun. Get away. It's favorite meeting of the week. Oh, God. <laughs> but if we would take some of that time and focus on, Brian, what do you know that Steve needs to know? And Steve, what do you know that Brian needs to know? We would all grow. That's the, really the epitome of a great team. Amen. Uh, it's it's funny. I just did a webinar the other day where I, I gave like an hour long talk on on that topic. The how to how to this like a, I, I run a little playbook for people on how to how to grow your your team by capturing the value from one person and, and transferring it to the rest of the team. Figuring out oh this guy's the best of the team on negotiation. So have yeah. empower them to teach everyone and figure. Awesome. That's uh, great, man. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, I think it's a simple thing that all sales leaders can do, but, but none do. None do. Or not, oh, not oh, none, right. but very few do. It's like, you know, people, people look, I think a lot of leaders look to themselves to, to drag people along and to make them to, to, you know, they, they, they put it on their own shoulders to make their, the people yeah. working for them successful. But really the team is going to succeed or fail together. And, and a lot of the most important, most valuable skills rest not within the leader, but within the members of the team. And so the leader's job is to unlock that value from the members of the team. Yes. Bill and I have made a living for, uh, you know, for lots of years, dozens of years, decades of doing nothing more than paying attention to what people do well, sharing that idea with another person and charging them for it. (laughs) There's nothing that's original in my opinion that we just go pay attention to it, maybe package it a little bit, but that's, that's the trick, man. And people love that because they don't have the, they don't, they don't have the, the breadth and they don't have the ability, you know, to see all that stuff. The leader yeah. does. Yeah. You know, on the podcast, we talk a lot about the mindset, the proper mindset. You, you mentioned Steve, the leadership mm-hmm. mindset. And one thing I think leaders miss is if I'm going to say to Steve, uh, Steve, you're really good at negotiating. Tell us how you negotiate and you give us three or four tips. I need to know, how are you thinking about this? When you're doing this negotiation and, and, I want to know how are you thinking about it? Because we always say that how we think determines how we act and how we act determines our results. But how many times does a sales leader ask one of their top performers, how do you think about this? And that's a question that's 
sometimes it's hard to answer, but at least it prompts a discussion about, it's all about the thinking. It's all about the mindset and the emotional well-being of the person. And we end up jumping to tactics a lot of times. Well, first off, I use 12-point Helvetica type, and I put, a, <laughs> uh, I put a title, and then I go in and I sit in this chair, he sits in that chair, and I got to make sure my chair is about six inches above it. I bring a cushion with me. No. Um, <laughs> But it's not about the tactics, it's about the mindset. So how are you thinking about this is going to help your people, you know, contribute more to others. What other tips come to mind to you guys on, on becoming a great leader? If you were gonna bring, bring a you know, 30 year old salesperson under your, under your wing and, and sit down to give them the tips and tricks that you guys can think of, what, what tips would they be to, make, to help them take the steps towards maybe becoming a, better, a, a great leader? Your term, Brian. Give me the hard ones, don't you, Bill? See what <laughs> you're thinking about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get the real difficult ones. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna work through our own the model that Bill and I believe in, which is we we always start and we'll talk about the inner game or the thinking column. We say it a different ways, but it really does start with the mindset. So the first thing I, I always encourage young leaders to do is they need to develop a codified philosophy. So a way that they show up with energy, and these aren't tactical things. These are ways that they are. So things like um, uh, someone might put on their list, they might say, as a leader, every day, my goal, I want to show up uh, empathetic, caring, and energetic. I'm just making these up, but that would be a thing. And so if they ever in a job interview, and, so, and I say, so what's your leadership style? Instead of saying, well, you know, I'm big on one-to-ones. I'm a, I like to have one-to-ones with all my team and I, all that jazz. I say, you know, I, I start with inside of here first, and I have this methodology or this philosophy that I carry with me. And that is I, um, empathetic first, understanding second, I'm energetic third. And that's how I roll first. And then everything that I do and say, everything I do and say aligns with those feelings. That was the, that's the first uh, bit of uh, advice I would give a young sales leader. You need to come up with your personal philosophy. I can't add anything to that, Brian Neal. Once again, <laughs> you stolen the thunder of this whole interview. <laughs> I know no. Um, well, I do, actually, now that I think about it, I do have something. It's <laughs> <This> never happened. <laughs> I, I think the question is, are, are you, and this, I don't know if this is a tip, but are you followable? When someone looks at you as the leader, do they say, that is my leader. I'm going to follow him or her through, you know, through floods and fire. I'm going to follow them. And my question always is, are you followable? followable? Do you have your affairs in order? Are you fit? Do you, are you organized? Do you have your day plan? Do you have goals? Have you shared those with your team? Are you somebody that when your team walks into a meeting, they say, man, I'm in the presence of a true leader today. And I got to tell you, there's not a whole lot of those. There's a few, but that's where I would be focusing my effort if I'm a young leader is how do I organize myself mentally, physically, uh, emotionally, so that I'm a followable person. And when you start to look at it that way, you think, okay, what causes someone to be followable? A great vision, uh, affairs in order, um, supportive and helpful, unbiased support, unconditional support. I mean, you, just, you can rattle off the list there. And that's what, to me, causes the person on your team to wake up in the morning and say, man, I'm going to go do my best today because Bill's my leader. I had to use me as because Bill's my leader or Brian's my leader, I guess I should. Yeah. So that, that's, you know, the followability, I think, is good. Brian, you have a question? You have your hand up. I do up. have my hand up. 
this is uh, good, or maybe a, a statement to add. Uh, and and by the way, I I, had, I am a uh, recovered, accepted, uh, failed sales leader myself. When I thought, I thought, man, you know, sales leadership, meaning the sales management role, national sales manager was something I wanted on my resume. I did all the wrong things when I was 30 years old. I chased the title. I wanted to have the title on my resume. That's wrong. I always tell people, do not chase titles and do not chase money. I was also chasing money. Then I thought, because to Bill's point about my upbringing, I didn't know any better because I was a leader in a bunch of high school and college student activities and stuff. Mostly I realized that's because no one else wanted to. And that was a nerdy thing to do. I thought it was cool, but I find out later that I was a student activities geek <laughs> and no one else wanted to do it. Then I always thought if I just serve the people and they liked me, they would follow me. Likeability meant followability. And yep. I became great friends with all the team that I led and didn't lead them to anything but mediocrity because all I was worried about was them liking me. So if I give a younger salesperson or younger sales manager some advice, I share a little bit about my story there and some specifics around it of some of the things I look back and just cringe that I did. I just wanted to be popular and that does not work. It doesn't mean you have to be a jerk. It doesn't mean they don't have, they have to hate you, but you can't have that as your number one overriding factor. And so many young managers play that deal early on. They play the likability deal. I want to be popular and, you know, corral my team around that. And that, that would be some advice of what not to do. Yeah. This is a good question, Steve. I appreciate you floating it out there because it, it causes me to think about things that I haven't thought about before. And that is one thing that I, I, I guess the question is, what do we all want? What do all the sales team, salespeople, what do they want in life? Not what do they want in terms of income or forecast or results. Mm -hmm. What do they want in life? Well, they all want to matter. Mm -hmm. They all want to contribute. And I believe that if you really dig deep inside of us all, we all want to play at a bigger game. We all want to play bigger. We don't want to play small. And I think sometimes when we are small thinking and small acting, like, you know, Brian and I are constantly telling people they need to be putting video on LinkedIn. They need to be promoting their expertise and their knowledge, whether it's LinkedIn, it doesn't matter what it is, but they need to be out there with their expertise because it has to be working. It has to be working for them when they're sleeping. And you would think that we're asking people to chop off a couple of limbs when we ask them that. And I think part of it is because there's this notion of, well, that's not my game. I'm not good on camera, Brian. You know, my voice is really nasally. I'm not that. And I always feel like, no, that's just your baggage. That's just your baggage of wanting to play small, wanting to be safe, wanting to play in this, in this comfort zone. And I think a leader's role is to have people think bigger, play a bigger game. And, and if the leader's not playing a bigger game, it becomes hard for the leader to become followable to the salespeople. Yes, agree. That's, that's powerful stuff. I've heard you guys talk about uh, having a, a healthy success culture in sales. How, how can sales leaders build a healthy success culture on their team? Hmm. My turn to start. Have at it, brother. Uh, thank you. Um, the, the, the kiss of death, the kiss of death, when you're looking to create a successful sales culture, is to lead with numbers. Leading with numbers is the kiss of death. When you open sales meetings and lead with numbers, everyone gets done real fast because it doesn't speak to the heart of what Bill said earlier. It's not about mattering. It's not about feeling like I'm contributing and doing a good job. It's not necessarily about playing a bigger stage. 
It's a scoreboard and a scorecard. Everyone likes to lead with data because everyone has been taught that like data is the answer to all problems in business. Uh, we deal with the facts, face the brutal facts. We've, we've heard all these cliche sayings and things. And the problem is there's nothing personal and human. I'd also argue, I've been on a little tirade about this, that there is no such thing as uh, uh, objective data because all data is interpreted by a human with an opinion. So if I said my closing percentage is 28 and ask you to, is that good or bad? You're going to have different opinions. The fact is it's 28, but that's all. That's all, just the, the only fact. Whether yeah. it's good or bad is always an opinion. So if you want to create good sales culture, create purpose in the culture. So how are people growing as human beings, not how are they contributing profit and margin to yeah. the spreadsheet that I look at every Monday morning? So important. And, and that's, I think that's not just for sales leaders, that's for leaders across the board. Yes. I mean, it's, it's so easy to get wrapped up in the numbers because, you know, as a leader, that's often what you're looking at, but yeah, right. that, that's, that, that's not what motivates people. Mm -mm. I would also say that the other thing that I see a lot now, and you're out in, uh, in the, you know, the, the buzz of the tech world out in, uh, on, the, on the West Coast and uh, every big city like Indianapolis, we have our tech thing. It also doesn't mean wearing schmedium t-shirts and having scooters and an open bar. Yeah. And that's not just it. And sometimes we mistake that. We think, well, we create good culture. Yeah. You know, if we have wine Wednesday, every, every Wednesday afternoon <laughs> or something like that. And there's part of that that's great. That also is not it either, though. You have to have people, uh, give people a place to express their own, their, their personality and their own purpose through their work. That to me creates a really good, healthy sales culture. Yeah. When people go to work every day and feel like their job is, is leading to the betterment of something, whether it's their customers or whether it's the world or whether it's the planet or whether it's just uh, helping the company grow. But yeah. purpose-driven purpose leadership is, is really important. I think that does. That's the beginning of the culture. I think another thing is, where are we going? Where are we going? Because uh, uh, as Brian said, we talked to a lot of sales leaders. We have probably 30% of our listeners are sales leaders, 70% salespeople. And we hear this a lot is the culture question comes up. And I always start it with, well, do your people know where you're going and how they're helping you all get there? Is there a path? Is there a journey? And if the great companies, even if the, the journey is we got to build this thing so we can sell it in five years, at least that's a destination. But if there's no conversation around that, well, let's just keep growing and we'll see what happens. No, you got to give me a destination. Where, where are we taking this thing? And how am I adding to the us taking it there is really critical. And so that's another part of culture I think is missing a lot. We just end up doing, okay, that last year your goal, Steve, was a million two. This year it's a million four. Any questions? Have at it, brother. <laughs> and it's like, really? Is that, so is that all I'm here to do is just create wealth for you and for me? Is, is there anything more to this? And of course there is. Yes. Absolutely. Um, well, you, you said that a leader can't over-optimize for likability. Um, how can team leaders find the balance between an authoritative and a friendly approach with their team? Mm, it's very good. It's really good. Yeah, I would probably take a stab at that and say that <clears throat> authoritative or nice guy or nice woman is a tactic. That's a tactic. And I think a deeper level of thought needs to be, what's my intention here? What is my role as a sales leader? My role is not to be authoritative. My role is to get the job done. 
And my role is to grow my people. And my role might be to contribute $27 million to the bottom line or whatever that role is. And then you back up from that. I think sometimes if we don't look at the intention, the, the foundational intention of why am I here as a leader? Why am I in this position? What's my role? And what are my areas of focus? I think then it gets back to, well, should we have meetings on Monday at three or Friday at four? You know, I don't want to take people out of the field. We have those awful conversations that have nothing to do. Maybe you should take them out of the field. Maybe by taking them out of the field for four hours a week, they'll get better and the other 36 hours will be more profitable. Yeah. But if our intent is not secure and we don't understand what is this all, what is all this about anyway? And what is my intention? I think then we resort to tactics and I'm not saying that you position that as authoritative being a tactic, but I feel like if, if being authoritative helps me to be, helps me to guide my team better, I need to do it, but it might be temporary. Uh, I need to pull that out just like a football team needs to pull out their plays when they need to run those plays. And, but to, to be authoritative all the time and say, this is my strategy to bruise people and to belittle them and to shame them in front of the owners. That's not a very good strategy. No. And I would add, it's, it's really good. The, the intention thing, if your listeners should hear what Bill just said, that they've got to rewind that and listen to it on a loop. Intention drives everything. If your intention is to be authoritative, uh, you're dead. It can never be your intention. It's got to be to serve others. Never try to be authoritative. I try to be helpful to other people and help them get what they want. When I'm talking about this in front of audiences, I'll ask the question, because everyone wants to do this relationship thing. Like, well, Bill, Bill get great relationships. And so I ask this. I say, first of all, do you have a best friend? Almost every human has a best friend. And, and they're usually a long-term best friend. I said, why is that person your best friend at the core? The reason that person is your best friend is because they will tell you the truth, even if it's hard to tell you. That's why your best friend's your best friend. You will also call your best friend when you're in jail at two in the morning, because they will not judge you. They will bust your butt. They will not judge you for that. That to me is the way to be what you're talking about, Steve, which is I am authoritative and I'm really caring at the same time. And I'm not trying to be either. No. I'm trying to serve the person that I care about immensely to help them get what they want. The other thing to keep in mind with this, when we have struggling salespeople, struggling salespeople know they're struggling. They don't need to be reminded all the time that they're struggling. They're paying attention too. They see their commission checks. They see their, uh, the numbers, all that. Stuff. They know that they're struggling. And, and sometimes we need the coach to lift them up versus, you know, hammer them. Yeah. And sometimes we need to hammer them. Yeah. Either way, there may be a time when it's time to, to cut loose and we make an exit. And it's amazing how many times sales, the worst thing I think there is to do in business is to fire somebody. And in almost all cases, when someone gets let go, it's a relief to everybody. The pressure is off of everyone. And so when, and if, cause I'm acting in good, I don't want, if, if, if I work for Bill and I'm struggling and Bill comes and says, Hey, Brian, man, nice try. You know, it's been six months. You've been, you know, below quota and we've done everything we could. It's time to cut loose. There's a part of me that's gonna be like, thanks, man. Thanks for cutting me loose. Cause I got, I'm not being successful here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All of that is based in good intention. You're clean which is I want the best for the human. I don't want people to struggle. I don't. And so if cutting them loose means or putting them on a pip or whatever that looks like, or, you know, making sure they're doing their, the behavior stuff, if I'm acting out of good intention, I'm clean. And if I'm acting out of anything else, high suffer God for myself, my own, how I look and all that jazz, I'm dead on arrival. Yeah. Yeah. I also wrote down here something on my metal 
PC stand that I don't know if I can erase or not, so it's there forever. <laughs> and that is um, this idea of clarity. I'm, I'm working with, <clears throat> excuse me, a um, VP of sales, I'm sorry, a president of a company, and she's bringing in a VP of sales soon. And, uh, and in the meantime, she's having to work with the sales team, seven people. So I said, one thing you can do is sit down with each of your people, block out two hours, not five minutes, but two hours, and draw two boxes, one on the left side of the circle, uh, page, one on the right. The, the left side is here, and the right side is there. And it's the idea of everybody is wanting to get somewhere in their life. And so we have to identify, and sales managers have to identify with their people, where are you trying to get? And then you start to build that bridge from where you are to where you want to be. And that bridge could be skills, it could be support, it could be coaching, it could be resources, it could be accountability. There, there's all different um, spans along that bridge to help support that person. But if there's no clarity around where they're going and the sales leader doesn't know where they are going, like let's say I want to go from 100 grand to 500 grand in three years. Well, that's a pretty specific goal. But that's an awesome goal because now we can start to build a path to get there. And that's part of that clarity issue, I think also as part of culture. But it's the idea that if the sales leader can help bring clarity to each of their people's lives, those people will blossom. They'll flourish because now there's a journey they're on. They don't wake up one morning and say, I don't think I want to go to work today. They say, man, I got to accomplish step 37 out of 500 to get to that goal. And I, I think sales leaders need to understand human nature and, and how people show up every day. And sometimes you have to bring out that thing and put it in front of them and say, are you still wanting to get here? Because your behavior is not looking like you want to get there. So maybe we should change the there or we should find out what's really happening underneath all that. That, that is a fantastic exercise. I, I, it's, it's jumping, leaping to my mind, people that I should do that with right now. Yeah. That I, I love it. Um, who does that with people? Your therapist doesn't do that. Your spouse doesn't do that. A pastor may, but probably not. Your children aren't. You are the one. That's why I think the leader in a company, sorry to interrupt, Steve, you were getting ready to say something profound. And I, no, no. <laughs> but uh, the leader is the chosen one. Um, Seth, Godin, or, um, Seth Godin wrote a book called Lynchpin a few mm -hmm. years ago. And I think the sales manager, I think Brian might agree, sales leader, sales manager is the linchpin to growth in the company. They're the ones that control all the dials. But you've got to show up every day helping people get from where they are to where they want to be. If everybody is on their way to where they want to be, there's no worries, man. It's easy. It's easy. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the other challenges that come along with leading a team? Mm. And how, 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 do, how, do, how can you develop the skills to overcome those challenges? I think the, uh, I always talk to the VPs of sales. One of the reasons that Bill and I have VPs of sales peer groups is because VPs of sales and sales managers uh, are really in a difficult, it's kind of like the linchpin model. They have nowhere to go. They get pressure from above, pressure sideways and pressure from below. So their salespeople from below are putting pressure, boss, we need this, you know, salesforce.com's not working. We need better pricing. We need better terms, da, 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 da. They get pressure from above, CEO, board, where are the numbers? Where are the numbers? We're off. What about this quarter? They get pressure from the side from operations. Hey, your salespeople aren't doing a good job. They're overselling, overpromising, all this jazz. And they're just, they're just like this thing in the middle and everyone's coming at them. They don't have an outlet. 
Um, so that's, that's something that I think that is really difficult for the job that they're in. I go back to my answer that they need a place to have that outlet, whether it's a peer group or a coach or someone that's on the outside where they can share their experience. One, just for group therapy, nothing else. Cause it's hard. It's hard sometimes for the VP of sales to go to the CEO and say, man, <laughs> feelings are hurt. Cause the number, you know, you can't do that. You can't go, you can't really go anywhere. Uh, so that's, that's a piece of advice I give people when they think about that. You know, what's the, the, the difficult challenge part is trying to not isolate around that, is making sure that you have some people around you that you can go to to share one, just event, but two, to get some ideas on how do I handle the pressure uh, of those sorts of things. Um, people, people are amazing when you ask them for help. They'll, they'll, it's amazing how much they'll help you. A lot of people won't, they'll grab you and say, Steve, you look like you could use some yeah, help. No. Does that's that make right. sense? You that's have right. to ask for it. And don't be, that's a Brene Brown thing. I love her. And she talks about vulnerability. I think the best leaders are the ones these days, especially that are able to make themselves the most vulnerable. I can go to Bill Caskey and say, Bill, I am struggling, dude. I don't know what to do here. My boss is on my butt. My team's bitching about everything. Ops is on me. I need some help, bro. Yeah. And Bill can help me. And it's Bill good. will lean into me when I do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think another challenge that, uh, I'm not sure if it's a challenge or an opportunity, but it probably is a challenge is that the leader, in order to show up every day with the right energy and the right skills and the right mindset, I think leaders have to take care of themselves. I think they have to spend a lot more time at the gym, they have to spend a lot more time on themselves, either in, in mindfulness or stillness or whatever, whatever practice you have. Because it is, like Brian said, you're in the nougaty center there. You're in the center with all the pressure. And man, you've got a, I had a guy who was uh, with a large telephone company out of Canada and uh, they're going through reorganization, which happens every three months in that company. And he was stressed. And I said, well, what are you doing for yourself here? He goes, well, I go home and have a glass of wine and sit on the deck and try to just be calm. And I said, no, drinking is probably not a good, it's probably <laughs> not a good antidote to that. I said, get to the fricking gym. You go to the gym, you get there at five, you work out for two hours until you can barely pick up, pick your hand up, and you do that three or four mornings a week. Work on, to get a trainer, because you have to have the energy to withstand all that pressure, so that when it comes in at you, it just flows off of you, versus it comes in and sticks. And if we have too much stuff coming at us and we don't have a release, of, I mean a physical release for that, it starts yeah. to stick. And that's when we start to accumulate that bag in the back that we carry around with us. It's not healthy. It's not healthy. And that's when, like Brian said, that's when people say, you know what, screw it. I'm going to go back to sales. But it had nothing to do with that. It had to do with you weren't taking care of yourself. Take care of yourself physically, emotionally, mentally. You'll be surprised at how easy those problems are to solve because you're not attached to them anymore. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you, you, you guys should also be advising CEOs, not just uh, <laughs> sales leadership, because um, a, a ton of your advice and a ton of the things you're saying just really are, it's really resonating with me in my role. And, uh, and I think it's, it, a lot of it is very applicable. Um, and another thing I'm working on right now, so I, as, as a leader, um, and so in, in this case, for sales managers, how can they encourage the people under them um, to become leaders themselves. So what, what, what steps can a, a CEO or a VP of sales take to grow their team into the future leadership of the company? Good question. I forgot whose turn it is, Bill. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take a stab yeah, and give you some time to think. Um, so I've, I actually use a client of mine. I've been, with, I've been on and off with this client for almost nearly 20 years now. 
uh, actually just re-engaged with them. I'm starting Friday. One of the things that they will do is it, it's just what Bill's uh, idea was earlier, and it's just a bit more, it's customized for them, is they get to choose a path. Um, and that path can be a technical path or that path can be a leadership path. And they actually have a period of time when they're in the company and you can pick whatever time you want, you know, one to three years, where they're sort of uh, looking at those two paths. Do they want to stay on this kind of technical? So from the sales standpoint, it'd be, do I want to just, you know, after the, when I get to that fork in the road, do I want to stay in the sales track? Maybe I go to a senior account executive or an enterprise rep, or do I think I want to take that leadership track? And then if you as the CEO create a process in, and put it in place that shows the growth areas of what you do. So things specifically that that would entail, that would be including them in meetings as an observer. So I love to see CEOs take someone who has shown interest in that leadership path and let them sit in a board meeting with you and not say anything and just observe what it's like. Let them sit in the one-on-one um, -on -one review meeting maybe with another sales uh, person or something like that so they can understand what it's like. Let them see the junk too. Let them see the pressure that you get. Let them see some of the things that they have to deal with. Show them some, you know, emails or stuff from other, other uh, salespeople that are griping about stuff to see if it's what they want to do. The main thing is to show them the path, to, yeah. to give them the steps, and then expose them to the path. Then let them vote with, with some knowledge, what they know what they're getting into. So many times we just say the CEO and the VP of sales, they sit in a room and they're talking about the next regional manager. And like, I think this Caskey guy is pretty good, man. He's really good. Yeah, he's really smart. Okay. You know what? Let's give it to him. Okay. Hey, Bill, we got some good news for you, man. You're a regional yeah. manager. Yeah. Bill's like, huh? What? I, you know, it just kind of comes <laughs> out of nowhere. Thank you. Thank you. Like, should I say thank you? It's like, what do I do? Yeah. Um, creating the path, making it real okay to be on the path or off the path too. That sometimes we think, well, if I don't take the leadership promotion, that's a step, you know, it's bad. And I, as a leader, I don't think it should ever be bad. It should be what it is, which is real. It's, you know, I'm either in or I'm out. So. Yeah. I also like the, uh, Steve, are you familiar with uh, Cal Newport? He's written, uh, he wrote a book called uh, So Good They Can't Ignore You. Um, which is Steve Martin's old saying from the 70s, Steve Martin, the comedian, I got to watch because nobody knows who Steve Martin is anymore. But <laughs> Steve Martin was a comedian back in the 70s and he was trying to get gigs and, and they asked him, what, what was your strategy? He said, I got to be so good at comedy, they can't ignore me. And Cal Newport, who's an MIT uh, professor, he wrote this book, how do you become so good they can't ignore you? And in that, in that book, he talks about interviewing. If you're going to be a leader, Go interview 50 leaders, audio record it, get it transcribed, find out what their biggest struggles are, what they're good at, what they think. Just go, because all the information's out there. It's mm -hmm. just that when, like Brian said, you all of a sudden become a regional manager, it's too late then. It's too late. So part of the steps on that path that Brian laid out is go talk to 25 other sales leaders, interview them, find out what they do every day, what, what, what mistakes they've made. You could create a book on that, and now you've got advice from the shoulders of you're on the shoulders of giants. People have already done it. Yep. Um, do you guys uh, do you guys have any resources that you recommend to salespeople who are looking to develop themselves, either for leadership roles or just in general? Mm -hmm. Well. Um, it's probably uh, not inappropriate and politically incorrect, but we, we do have, I mean, you can go to uh, advancedsellingpodcast.com. There's a lot of resources on that. There's 750 episodes of the podcast in the last 14 years. 
there's several products. We have a product called All In, which is really the beginning to end overview and tactics and language of the, of the selling philosophy that Brian and I teach. Uh, that would be, I think it's 97 bucks. So in terms of training, it's a pretty, pretty low bar. Um, so I, I would, I mean, there's so much on YouTube and I would, I would definitely start listening if you're a podcast listener, which you must be if you're listening to Steve. Just go solicit some podcasts. Just go download some. Nick's the ones you don't like. Some are painful. And I'm not talking about sales podcasts, but that, that too. But find the ones you really like. Follow people. Get a couple of mentors, even if they're virtual mentors, and say, I like what Brian says. I'm going to follow his teaching. And you can always deviate occasionally, but sometimes I think we follow Brian, and we follow Steve, and we follow Bill, we follow Gary V, we follow Grant Carter, we follow all these people, and then it all mishes, mashes together, and it doesn't mean much. Yeah. So I'd say get one or two people that you really like the way they talk, the way they think, and sign up and follow them on everything they do. Yes, I would Fantastic. agree with that. I would also add, uh, I'm a huge fan of peer groups. I think there's no better learning space than a group of your peers around. And so you've got some options. There are peer groups that are structured. So um, uh, Vistage is a group out, you know, based in San Diego. There are Vistage groups around. Uh, there's a group in Chicago called Sales Assembly that do a really good job of getting like-minded people in similar roles together in the same spot. But I always say this too, and I've been in a peer group for a long time, still am. If you can't find a peer group, start one. Be the hub and start one. And all you got to do is call five or six of your buddies or LinkedIn first level connection sales managers or chief revenue officers or what, whatever your role is and say, hey, let's get together for a couple hours on Thursday, a long working lunch, and let's just talk about some issues. And I'm yeah. telling you, you get in a peer group, a room of like-minded people, Bill runs peer groups, I do, and we're in them. There's nothing better to me. Uh, in terms of real lifetime, real experience, touch, touch, feel stuff. It's a really, really good resource. Second that. Perfect. Such, right. such fantastic advice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to try to summarize what we've talked about here today as best I can for everybody driving and everything. Um, so being a leader is learnable. Sales leadership today is an art and a craft, and it's something that salespeople build up to and develop into. There are certain traits that you can be born with, such as being a good communicator or being organized, but being a sales leader is a never-ending process of learning. Self-assessment is the first step to learning to be a great sales leader. You can watch and follow others on social media who are great leaders and learn from them. There's a, there's a ton of resources out there to, to learn from what other people are doing and have done. Also, uh, getting a personal coach, whether you hire them or, or you, you find another way, uh, it's a great way to keep learning. To become a great sales leader, salespeople need to pivot away from focusing just on customers and learn to focus on their, on their team instead. Uh, sales leaders must ask, how do I groom my team for success? You, you also have to understand that being a sales leader is very, it, it's a very different mindset. All your success will come from other people, your team, not from your, not from your actions or behavior. So it's all about enabling them. Take time with your team to understand how you can all work together better. Young leaders should develop their own philosophy. Uh, for example, as a leader, I want to, uh, I want to show up empathetic. I want to show up organized. I want to show up caring. What, what, you know, et cetera. You, you've got to figure out what, what type of leader are you and what's your philosophy? Ask yourself as a leader, are you followable? 
are, are you organized? Are you supportive? Do you have good vision? Um, but don't, don't just make sure, don't, don't just work on your likability either. It, don't, don't, don't try to be the most popular people in the world, person in the room. You, it's not, being followable and being a leader isn't just about being likable and popular. That's kind of a trap that some people fall into. Um, you know, being authoritative, being a nice guy, girl, is, it's, it's only a tactic. It's a, a, a sales leader role is you need to actually be someone who can get the job done. And understanding sales leaders' intentions, uh, the intention should always be to help your team and to lead your team. You have to come, come with that, that intention. And, and you should, as a sales leader, you should aim to bring clarity to salespeople's lives. Find out where they are now and where they want to get and then help them break down the steps of how to get there. As sales leaders, uh, you're going to, as a sales leader, you're going to experience challenges. And uh, one thing you can do is build a peer group to share the experiences and the pressures that you, that you find yourself under. Another thing to do to, to deal with these pressures are to, is to make sure you take time to get yourself to the gym. Um, meditation is really helpful for some people. You want to, it's a this is sales leadership is a high pressure job and you want to take time to take care of yourself physically emotionally and mentally salespeople who are interested in becoming leaders should take the time to map out their potential career paths and shadow these different paths to see which path is right for them and uh, you, you can also interview uh, sales leaders to better understand what type of sales leader you want to be well, I mean, you mentioned some places people can learn more about what you guys have done, but uh, tell me how, how our listeners can read more about the work that you've done, hear, hear from you guys, hear what you've done, and, and in general, reach out to you and, and get in touch with you. Yeah. Yeah, I think the best way is just the, the website, uh, advancedsellingpodcast.com. If you go there and, and you put in what you're struggling with or what you want to learn more about or what, what opportunities do you have, and then all the podcasts that relate to that will show up. So instead of wading through 700 podcasts to find the one that we did on March 18th of 1937, oh, wait a minute, it hasn't been that long. Uh, you can go and just put in search. We've got a search box there. And just put in the, the thing that you're most struggling with or the thing you want to learn about. And there's lots of, uh, there's lots of resources there. Uh, that's the, probably the best way, unless, Brian, you have another. I would also topic. encourage um, your listeners to uh, go to their app store. And we have a free app. And if you go to the, any app store, no matter which device you're on, and uh, search for Advanced Selling Podcast, you'll see the little thumbnail come up right away. Uh, the app, all the episodes are on the app. You can listen to it through the app. It's a really, really great uh, resource. Uh, see descriptions, searchable by topic and things like that. That's, that's another great way uh, to, to get us on your phone right away so you can listen on the way home. And our episodes are 15 to 17 minutes. They're moderately entertaining and somewhat useful. That's what we do. We, we do our best. You know what I mean? It's much too much credit for that. Exactly. We're just I, humble Midwesterners. You know this. You're from Wisconsin now, right? Uh, Chicago, but I, yeah, I, I went to college in Wisconsin. Yeah. That's right. There we go. We, we always strive to be moderately uh, entertaining. Just, <laughs> exactly. just moderately. That's a goal. That's a high goal. <laughs> it is. High like Bill said earlier, we shoot high. We, we, we practice what we preach, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks so much for coming, guys. This has been another great episode of awesome. the, out, the Outside Sales Talk here. Um, if, uh, 
if any of our listeners can think of any other sales reps that would benefit from learning the skills that uh, Bill Caskey and Brian Neal talked about today, uh, share the share the love and forward this podcast to them. Um, please leave a rating on on iTunes or wherever you're listening of the podcast. It really uh, really helps spread the word about about what we're doing here. Take care until next time, guys. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Thank you.